0: is that? Who's is that? (laughs) Man, it's good to be back from a trip we took, and uh, looking forward to being here with you this morning. I got to tell you something funny real quick. We go back here every Sunday and pray, and you know, here a few weeks ago, there was a Bible it just kept being left and kept being left, and I announced it. You know, I said, you know, if somebody don't take that Bible, I'm going to take it. And nobody took it, so I took it and started using it. And, well, then I got back there this morning, and there's another Bible sitting there in the window back there. And I walked over and looked, and I opened it up, and looked at the name. It's a good study Bible with no name in it. And so I told Willie, I said, I don't know what it is. People just leaving good Bibles laying around. I'm going to find somebody to give this to who will use it. And... We looked again, wasn't no name in. I said, do you have a, do you have a new life application study Bible? He said, no, I'd like to have it. And so I opened up the loot and there was some writing in there on the scripture and I looked and I thought, that handwriting looks familiar. And I looked again, it's my Bible. <laughs> so you can't have it no more. <laughs> I don't write my name in the front of the Bible. I think I got too many Bibles, but I said, well, I'm going to keep this Bible. All right. <clears throat> Looking in, in Numbers chapter 21. Uh, starting off in verse 4. Now this is when the children of Israel were traveling through the wilderness. God had brought them out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. They're going from, from there. God's taking them to the land that he promised to them. Verse 4 says, Then they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. The people spoke against God and Moses, <clears throat> why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and our soul loathes, loathes or hates this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. Many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Pray the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And then I want you to notice God's answer to this prayer. said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks to it shall live. So so Moses made a, a bronze serpent. He put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when they looked, At the bronze serpent, he lived. When you, when you look at this, this text, the first thing that, that I want to, want to point out to you is that God made a promise to Israel. Uh, Back when Abraham, he made a covenant to Abraham that he was going to give Abraham and his descendants this certain land, the land of Canaan. And it was always referred to as the land of milk and honey. It was, it was a land that God blessed and and at this point in time, it was, it was occupied by their enemies, the Israel, the, the Canaanites, Perizzites, Hittites, all the Ites, okay? And, and at that point in time, later on, you know, the story of the children of Israel came into bondage in Egypt, harsh slavery is what they were under, and they cried out to the Lord in the book of Exodus, and the Lord sent Moses to deliver the people, and so, God brought about ten judgments upon uh, Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, and the last judgment being the Passover, which represents Christ. And you know the story that God brings the children of Israel out. They're delivered from the bondage of slavery. He even blessed them. The the Egyptians just gave them all their stuff just to get them to go. And so God brings them out. And then they were pursued by the armies of of the Egyptians. You know, God parted the Red Seas. The Egyptians, their enemies, could no longer pursue them because God destroyed their enemies. And now God brings them into the the wilderness travels where he's going to lead them to the land of promise. <clears throat> and He gave them the law and all that kind of stuff. Long story short, well, in that, when you when you look at that, a lot there are few, there are some a few scriptures that you can say the land of promise or the promised land represents a type of heaven, okay? But for the most part, doesn't represent heaven, okay? Because there's no enemies in heaven, there's no battles in heaven. The the land of promise, the promised land, actually represents, I believe, it is a, a, a the life of mature believer. It's the life of a mature believer, spiritually mature. So this morning, I want you to think about that, you know, because in one of the purposes, the key purposes of the church, it talks about in Ephesians, that God gives some uh, apostles, some evangelists, some teachers for the edification of the church in Ephesians chapter 4. And it talks about so that we might come all together in the fullness of Christ, in unity in the body, and it's talking about spiritual maturity. It's part of God's plan for your life as a believer is that you become spiritually mature. I think that... Churches everywhere are full, mostly of people, and I'm not being negative, but mostly of people who are who are spiritually immature, a lot of babes in Christ who've been saved for years and years and years. And you've heard me, if you've been here for a little while, talk about the life that God has for you. He does. He has an amazing purpose for your life. He has a a clear direction, just like He has a clear direction for Israel in this story. And in the Old Testament his plan was to bring them into the land of promise. You know, later on he said, "When I and God does everything." It's amazing. I was reading I was reading the words up here this morning, it's actually Isaiah 53 where it said, "He was pierced, he was crushed, he was punished, he was wounded." we are saved. God does. He is so good that he does everything for us. Okay. And all he simply does is call us to believe and to follow. That's, that's, that's all we do to receive. And so I want you to, I want you to understand this before I get too heavy in this message that, that God has a specific direction for your life. And he said to those people, he said, when I bring you into a land where you will live in houses you did not build, you will eat from gardens you did not grow, you will drink from wells that you did not dig. And he goes on. And what he's saying is, this is the life of God's grace and multiplication, his goodness, his His provision, his protection, his presence. That's the main thing, God's presence. That's what God has for us as a believer. He wants you to be in his presence, under his protection, having his provision. Okay? And that's all by God's grace. And God calls us to believe and to follow. To believe and to follow. Okay? And and, and in all of that, and when you look at your life, God said, does God want me to have a great marriage? That's his plan for you. That was his plan for Adam and Eve. Sin is what robbed us of what God had for us, and we chose sin. And so sin has taken away, you know, those things. If you have marital issues, I guarantee you, 100%. Somewhere along the way, there's sin that has taken away the marriage that God intended for you to have and wants for you to have. If you've suffered loss in your life, God wants to restore that. And he wants to give you more than what you had to start with in that loss because sin took it away. If you have difficulties and and all these different things, sin brings about and Satan brings about in your life to try to rob you. He's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy us. He's always trying to take away what God has intended for you and has the power to restore and to give you. Understand that. You're nowhere in life. You're like, well, it's over for me. No, it's not over. It's over if you say it's over. Okay. But in God's eyes, he's like, nothing's over. Nothing's impossible God can save God can deliver God can redeem God can restore God can bless God can multiply God can do what he says he can do and there's nothing that can hinder God from doing these things but we we can hinder these things and so many people I see today who are believers understand this story. When God brought them out of Egypt, that's a picture of their salvation, their redemption. He redeemed them. He bought them, okay, back through the blood of a lamb. We're redeemed through the blood of Jesus, the lamb of God, okay. And at that point, God became the authority in their life. They were no longer under Pharaoh's authority. When we trust in Christ, we, we come under the authority of God. And so as yes, you study the children of Israel and the travels that they're made, the spiritual aspect that God's trying to teach us, he wants us in his presence to experience his goodness under his authority, okay? But there's a lot of believers who, you, maybe you see other believers go, well, they have a good marriage or they have a good, you know, I see God in their life and I see God's peace in their family and I see unity and I see, the, uh, you know, the love of God and see God using them, you know, for his purpose in his kingdom, but, but I don't have that. And so obviously that's not God's plan for my life. That's not true. That's not true at all because God's not a respecter of persons. God's like what I offer to one I offer to everybody. Across the board, okay? And so in that here's what here's what happens. So God's plan is he's bringing them say why in the world did you know why didn't God just take them from uh 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 Egypt and just Put them over here in the promised land. Why did they have to go through all this long route through this wilderness to bring them to this point? There's a lot of reasons. Number one, they needed to experience who God was. Throughout this process, God showed them that he was God. He showed them his power. He showed them his glory. He showed his presence because he was with them night and day. He gave them victory over battles. He brought them into trials and tests so that they would see he was faithful. That he would provide for them. So that when they came to that place to receive the promises of God... He said, when you receive these, don't forget me. Remember who it is that brought you to this place so that they would continue in fellowship and worship. And all the other nations around would say, wow, they have an amazing God. So that they would represent the Lord. Same thing with us, okay? Understand, and, and you will find it nowhere in Scripture where it says, and God promised them that he would bring them out of Egypt, and along the way it would be so luscious and wonderful, and, and they would never have any problems, and they would never have any battles, and they would never have any tests or trials. He never said that. He actually said, it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring you through, and I'm going to give you my promises. Jesus said the exact same thing to us in Matthew chapter 5. He said, broad is the way and and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And most people are on that. But he said, but straight is the way or narrow is the gate and difficult. The word straight means difficult is the way that leads to life. And there is few that find it. Not just talking about eternal life, but talking about the abundant life that Christ has for each and every one who will follow him. So I just want you to understand that most people miss it because they don't like the difficulties. American Christians think that God should bring us out of our lost condition under the bondage of sin, under the authority of Satan, and roll out the red carpet, pull up a limousine, and lead us to the promises. And all of a sudden, when and some of that's preached, and all of a sudden when we face difficulties, battles, trials, all of those things, if we're not careful, if you're not careful, you will end up just like these people and you'll miss the life that God has for you. So look what they did. It says they <clears throat> that he he journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Okay, this was not the easiest route that God could take them, but He had a purpose for taking them that route. He had multiple purposes we won't cover this morning, but one of the reasons was Edom was the land of Esau, who was family, and He said, "I don't want you going and fighting with family. i want going to go a different route. Sometimes the difficult route turns out the best way." Okay, they had already been in battles prior to this. God had given them victory. Now He's leading them here. That here we go. You remember, and I got to clarify this: that. That the Lord provided for them every morning, manna, manna, manna. They would go out and they would gather the manna. Okay, God didn't drop it in their mouth like a grape. But God's provision, he always provided what was there. They would get up in the morning, gather up. Manna was good bread, okay. They made all kind of stuff with manna. But then it says, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Why? Because the way was difficult. It was not easy route. And it was the route that God was carrying. Sometimes God has a direction in your life in order to get you from point A to the point B he wants to carry. It is a difficult route that it necessary that he carries us through that route. And if you're not careful, you're so concerned about the comfort of what's on the outside, you forget why you're there to start with. They could have still been in Egypt. They had totally missed the joy of their salvation. And Christianity is not about the route. It's not about the comfort. It's not about our pleasures in this life. And there are things God blesses with. Yes, and we enjoy some things in this life. But ultimately, it's the fact that he has saved my soul, raised me from the dead, given me life. He is with me. He never leaves me or forsake me. And he's carrying me to the place. And so if I get it in my mind, yes, God has all this for me. He's promised me. And I believe God. And I've seen God in my life multiple times, multiple areas in my life. And so when difficulties and tests and trials and battles come, it's like, who cares? They should have said, like, who cares? We knew this was coming. But this ain't where we're living. This is not where we're settling down. We're just moving through here. And we're going to see God bring us through this so that we can continue on. But the most important part is that he's with us. Because it's not this life. He is life. He is the life. And so the people became very discouraged. They lost sight of that. And, and here's the thing. What was the purpose of this discouragement? I looked up the, the Hebrew word for discouragement. The Hebrew word means to cut off. It was like they, when they would harvest the barley, they would cut it off. Okay. That's what Satan uses discouragement in your life for. He wants to cut off. God's purpose God's plan he wants to cut off your joy he wants to cut off your marriage he wants to cut off your hope he wants to cut off your sight to where you're not clearly seeing and that's what discouragement does discouragement just piles stuff on us real quick I want you to look in in uh, Matthew chapter 13 I want to point out something that a lot of believers especially in this country do not grasp Sometimes we, we believe that salvation is, well, salvation is so I can go to heaven and, and that God is with me now and that I, I should live a life of just, I'm talking about hyper-blessings. I shouldn't experience any trouble. The whole word servant doesn't register with me. It should be going to church, sitting in the AC, being entertained, having a great inspirational message, and then I go on about my life. And then I wonder why I have troubles in my life. This is a parable that Jesus speaking in uh, Matthew thirteen, forty five. Y'all there? Alright. Is everybody there? Alright. Verse forty five says again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price. Notice what he does. He went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. This merchant is a picture of a man who is seeking pearls. He's looking for something that he desires. Okay, And all of a sudden, he finds this one pearl that's a pearl above all other pearls. He is smitten by this pearl, and it's called the pearl of great price. Okay, And he's like... In order to obtain this pearl, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go and sell everything I have so that I can have this pearl. That pearl of great price is referring to Jesus. In our lives, my question is, are you willing to give up everything, everything, the comforts of life, all the worldly toys, All the things that you desire that are physical and temporary are those things when you look at Jesus. This is what Jesus said. This is he saying, this is how good I am. And what I have for you compared to these things, you're willing to just. That's nothing. I'm willing to leave all this stuff so that I can know him, that I can serve him, so that I can see him, so that I can have him. It's not just about so I can have what he can give, so I can have what he can provide, so that I can have the blessings. No, it's it's about him. This is taught throughout the entire scripture. It's not a new message. The Lord's like, what am I worth to you? What is eternal life worth to you? When you're 20, it's not worth a lot. As you get older, it gets a lot more valuable. Amen? And when we think about that, you know, for me, if I'd have been an Israelite, I hope I probably wouldn't have. I'd have probably murmured with the rest of them. But I hope when everybody else became discouraged, go, man, can you not see? Hey, Egypt's way behind us. We ain't going back there. We're headed to a place that's prepared for us. We're going to a place that's going to be awesome. God's made his promises and he's kept every promise so far. Why well, y'all discouraged? He told us it was going to be rough. We knew this area was going to be rough. But you know what? Every morning I'm full. You know, it's not steak and ribeyes, you know, or, or, or burgers and fries, but, but God's provided. You know what? He's humbling them. He was humbling them through that. And sometimes, all the time, God needs to humble us to prepare our hearts to receive the goodness. Because if God just gives you the goodness, your, your, yours and my sinful nature be like, yeah, more, more, more. And this is what happens back in Numbers where it says, the people spoke against God. All of a sudden, because of the discouragement, you be careful when you get discouraged. Because in your discouragement, you'll also get disillusioned. And the next thing you know, they're blaming God. God, you're the one who brought us out here. And then they're, they're, they're believing lies. There's no water. Thinking, yes, there was. God provided for them water wherever they needed it. There's no food. Eating every day. Oh, but it's not the food I want. It's not the water I want. It's not the life I desire. It's not the job that I deserve. It's not the house that I think I should own. It's not the car that I'm driving. Lord, I know that I'm driving an old car, but you know what? Everybody else around us is driving. New cars living in. Big houses having. Six-figure-digit jobs. Four-figure-digit, 4, four figure digit, whatever. And we Americans are so entitled Look at these, you know, I go to church every Sunday, they show up once a month, and look at that, they just have everything, and the next thing you know, you're speaking against God, speaking against God's people, you know, here's the thing, Moses like, I didn't ask for this, all I'm doing, trying to do is ask what God asked me to do, and and, and the next thing you know, they're attacking him, they're attacking the, the Lord, and they said, why have you brought us, and then notice, they're attacking God's intentions. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die? Of course, I I didn't say that. I brought you out of Egypt to to set you free. I brought you out of Egypt to give you life. And so many times when we hit difficulties in our life, the first thing we want to do is we want to point fingers at God. We want to point fingers at other people who have told us about the Lord and His promises. I, I hear about, I know what the Bible says. I've heard the preacher. i heard my mama. I know this and that. You know what? God hasn't done anything. I prayed. I spent a solid 37 seconds in prayer, and God didn't answer it. Come on. Let's be real. You know, I went to church. I've heard people and seen people my whole life who live like the devil. And all of a sudden, when they want something, I went to church. I, you know, I did that thing. I was on fire. I went to church four weeks in a row, even on Sunday night. I prayed every day for at least twice a day, for two minutes a day. And you know what? When when this come up, it didn't work for me. I tried the God thing. And get out of here. Get out of here with that entitled, pampered, baby, fleshly driven lie from the devil. Lord didn't tell you none of that stuff. Here's the question. And I want to point this out. He said, there's no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. We hate your provision. We hate this manna. John chapter 6, you know what Jesus said? I'm the bread from heaven. You know what they were saying? We hate you. We hate Jesus. We hate the way. We don't like this. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasurable. It's not pleasing. It's not producing what we see that we deserve. We don't want you, and so and this gets better. Stay with me, okay? But God says, okay. It's not like God's going, oh please, please, I'll, I'll send the angels with the limos. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what: steak for steak and chops for everybody. Which is all along, God's not a begging God. God's like, this is my way. And that's what Jesus said. I am the way, one way, no other way, no other God, no other Savior, zero. No tolerance, no political correctness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. No other way. He he proclaimed that he was God, that he is God, that he is the judge of all men. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you, my friend, are going to die and end up in hell. That's where you're going. You understand that. And you can be upset about it and you'll still die and go to hell. You can say it's not fair and you'll still die and go to hell. You can hate God. You can do all those things. You can get mad. You can throw a temper tantrum of fear. You can attack God's people and you will die and go to hell. Y'all with me? So man, that's a good message. All right, all right, here we go. So the Lord sent fiery serpents. I want you to point, I want to point out something. Those serpents was always there. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Those serpent were always there. Those snakes were always there in the wilderness. God didn't create them or send them. He just went, okay. You don't want my protection. You don't want my provision. You don't want my grace. There you go. You don't want to be under my authority. You don't like my way. Say, so you, you made your own choice. If you die and go to hell, understand, it's because you went, I don't want your way. I don't want your authority. I don't want your love. I don't need your grace. And God will go, okay. I'll let you choose. God loves you enough to let you choose your way. And then all of a sudden, the devil had his way. Fiery serpents. Now, this is actually a snake. I can't remember the exact kind of snake it was. I studied this this week, but it was a copper-colored viper. Very venomous. And the, the fiery serpent means that when it bit you, it felt like you was on fire. Very venomous snake. The Lord's like, okay. I don't think it's a coincidence that it was a snake and the devil was a snake and caught a serpent all the way through the Bible. If you hear today go, I don't want God's way. I don't want God's authority. What you're saying is, I want my other daddy. I want what the devil has for me. And the devil's like, that's good because I got something for you. And all the while, the snakes were hiding in the side. And God was like, sometimes we forget God protects us from what we don't even know. God's, when God says, you know what, I don't care. If you're in the wilderness surrounded by snakes and, and whatever else, you will not touch my people unless my people go, I don't need you. And God's like, okay, have it your way. So these, these serpents come in. Uh, and it says, many of the people of Israel died. That's, that's Satan's plan for your life. You understand that? He's got one plan. It's called death. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And then notice what happened. So Moses prayed for the people out of now. I'm enjoying this. You understand that? If I'd have been the Lord, I'd be like, no, you made your choice. You made your bed sleep in it. If I'd have been Moses, I'd be like, no, remember what you said to me? Sorry about your luck. Will you swollen leg? Hobble off and die. Let's be real. Man, Moses represents Jesus. He represents Jesus and he goes to the Father and he prays. Ain't you glad the Lord prays for us? Because here I am. I'm the idiot. That's getting snake bit. I'm the one who questions God. I'm the one who accuses God. I'm the one who goes, I don't like God's way. have done that so many times in my life. And the next thing you know, when you're getting the consequences, understand this, God did not punish people. Their consequences punish them. When we choose sin and we choose the way of the world, guarantee it, don't go blaming God when you receive the consequence. Your consequence of sin will always punish you all the time. God's always there to redeem you. Understand that. If you're here this morning, you go, I've turned against God. I've turned. Against, I've spoke against God. I cursed God. You know what happened when the people turned to the Lord? The Lord didn't go, mm. He didn't say, okay, do a bunch of stuff. Go through a bunch of religious stuff. As soon as he did, the Lord... Jesus, when you turn him, Jesus takes you up represents you and goes, I'll pray for you. He goes before the Father and the Father answers not your prayer, but his prayer. Now I want you to see how God provided. I'm almost done. (sighs) This is the best part. So the Lord said to Moses, sorry about their luck. No, he didn't say that. He said, you make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it, when he looks at it, he'll live. So Moses made the bronze serpent. He put it on a pole. And it, it was so that if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. So who's doing the work? Not the people. People are swole up. People are dying. People are sick. People are trying to dodge the serpent. Moses goes over. I say, why is it a bronze serpent? Bronze all the way through the Bible represents judgment. God's judgment. So, so Moses makes and shapes this bronze serpent, puts it on a, a tree pole, holds it up in there. So the people hear what God's promised. Moses speaks the hope to dying people. If you'll just look at this pole. God said he'd, he'd give you life. Just look at the serpent. So he holds it up in People like okay, what can I do? Some people went, I believe God's promise. And they go out and it looks like I'm healed. I'm not dying anymore. Snake has no authority over my life. And they're like, God, thank you so much. But then there were some who were like, Nah, my legs swole up the size of an elephant, but that's so stupid. You would have to be uneducated moron to believe that you can simply go out here, look up at a religious man holding a pole up in the air and that it could fix this. I've got my own way, made my own anointing. I've, you know, I've made another route. If I run a lot and I jog a lot and I go wash in the river, surely boom, dead man, dead man. No other way. God said you want to live, look to this. Okay. I want you to look, finishing up John chapter three. So Why did God tell this story and why did Jesus refer to it in connection to one of the most powerful verses in the Bible? Nicodemus comes to Jesus who was a religious man in John chapter 3. Jesus says in verse 13, no man has ascended to heaven. You don't work your way to heaven. You don't be good enough to heaven. But he who came to Who down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And notice what it says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? So that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <laughs> now get this picture. So what is Jesus trying to tell? Nic- Nicodemus read the story in Numbers. He was a Bible guru. So what was God doing back thousands of years earlier? What was He trying to? He was He was saying, "I, I have a different salvation, a uh, same path, different man." When you look, what was Jesus saying? Here he is. He said, even so, my son, man, when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he became our sin. He became the sin that was destroying us, taking our life. The bronze represents God's judgment being poured out on his son. And he said, here's the, here's the, here's the same message. Whosoever believes in him, you look to him. And here today, as God's people, we lift Jesus up. We lift up the cross and go to the world. God loves you. You're bitten by the serpent. You've got poison in your spiritual man. You're going to die. You're going to perish. You're going to end up in hell. And God didn't say, sleep in your own bed. God said, I love those I love those people who spoke against me. I love those people who rebel. I love those people who hate my son. I love those people who hate my way. In so much that I'm willing to give my son to be lifted up on a cross. And I will pour out my wrath that those people deserve upon him. So that if you will simply look to Jesus in faith, I will forgive your sin and I will give you life. That's what faith looks like. Maybe some of you here this morning are trying your own way. That's ridiculous. You would have to be an uneducated idiot to believe that. That's just another opinion. No, that's a fact. And here's the hope that you have. I don't care what life you've lived. You could you could have been the very one that, like that song we sang, drove the nails in the hands of Jesus. And he would have said, I'm here for you. I'm here for you to save you because the snake has destroyed you and you have no hope apart from him. How can I be saved? Look to Jesus. This is that simple? Not for him. Wasn't that simple for him. But you know what? He couldn't contain his love for sinners of which we're all guilty. And some of us see a greater effect because the poison's taking a whole lot hold. On some more than others, but understand, you're going to see the effects of it in your life. And maybe you're here to say, I'm already saved. I trust in Jesus. I look to Jesus, but now my life's out here, and I'm murmuring against God, and I'm so discouraged, and I'm frustrated, and I'm even angry against God. It's because you're looking down. It's because you're looking at your conditions. You're looking at the difficulties. The Lord's lifted up go, I'm going to look to you, Lord, every time. Every time you just turn to the Lord and go, God, I made a mess. I've wrecked my life. I've sinned against you. God's like, I'm ready to forgive. The Bible says he's full of compassion, ready to forgive. Every time, every time. And that's the message of God's word. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen to me. You have no hope. They didn't die immediately when when the serpent bit. And you know what? You don't die immediately when sin bites. But it's coming. And you're missing the very life that God wants to give you so much. And for you here that are not pursuing your growth and your maturity in Christ, that's His plan for you. Man, don't settle for... Anything less than that, God is life. Jesus is life. Love him. Don't look for what he has for you. Look for him. Pursue him. And you'll see what life is all about. And if you've stepped out of the way or you've even started heading backwards, just turn around. This morning, turn to God and be honest with him. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior... God will save you right here today. What I need to do? Walk up front? No, no. I've held up. I've held him up. You just look to him, him Lieutenant go, God, I believe. I believe your word. I believe your promises. I'm looking to you to forgive me. Take your eyes off these people. Take your eyes off the church building. Look to Jesus. And when you look to Jesus, you will live. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for loving us, God. It's love none of us deserve. I don't even understand the greatness of your love towards us, God. I thank you that you don't love us because we're yours. I thank you that you love sinners. Your word says, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You made a way for people who hated you. And people who continue after you save us and deliver us to be ugly. And to spout off prideful, arrogant things and to live in a way we think is better than the way you have for us. I just thank you, Jesus, you're so patient with us. And that you've got good for everyone here, Lord. I pray people in the sound of my voice would realize that you have good for everyone, for whosoever will turn to you and follow you. God, don't let the devil win today, Lord. I pray that people would just humble themselves and turn their hearts to you to receive your forgiveness, to receive your grace and your mercy. Lord, follow you and love you and experience what you have for them. Just the joy of their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Faithful, for faithful proud. To the Father You are The one who feels forgotten You are faithful, God Faithful For God. And I will sing to the maker of heaven and earth. God, you reign forever and your love will Oh God Faithful, you faithful. Shelter for The fragile soul soul Hold us all together In the one thing God And I will sing to the maker Of heaven and earth
0: to our attention this morning I think we got a uh, the 330 meeting if you're going to be a part of the children's ministry got like a what time does church starting at five
1: I've been thinking church starts at 530 been